Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Are you ready to unlock the full potential and growth in your business? You've already crossed seven figures in sales, but the challenge is knowing how to take your business to the next level. Join Josh Hadley, an eight-figure e-com business owner and investor, as he interviews highly successful business owners. Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world. Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Today, I'm speaking with Steve Simonson, owner and CEO of Simo Global. And we're going to be talking a lot about inventory management, scaling businesses, and being wise with your cash as we look at heading into a potential recession. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Steve, I started Hadley Designs back in 2015, and I grew it to an eight-figure brand in seven years. I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made the path of getting to eight figures take a little bit longer. At times, I doubted whether my business could even survive and become a real brand. I wish I would have had a guide to help me along the way to move faster and to avoid many of those stumbling blocks. If our listeners have hit a similar plateau and want to know the next steps to take their business to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two M's to learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast listeners, I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit session at no cost. And all you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com with the subject line strategy audit to submit your chance uh, to win that strategy audit session. And if you don't win this go round, don't worry for future months, you're automatically going to be entered. But today, I'm super excited to be introducing you to Steve Simonson. Steve is a lifetime entrepreneur, having founded, purchased, built, and sold numerous companies over the past three decades. Along the way, Steve's companies have been publicly recognized with three consecutive years on the Inc. 500 list, multiple listings on the Internet Retailer Top 500, Washington State Fastest Growing Business, as well as a number of other company accolades. Steve was also a finalist in the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Steve brings his deep expertise as a leader and operator at many companies, which he has taken from startup to exit. So, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Hey, happy to be here, Josh. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, hopefully we can, you know, dispel a little uh, wisdom, or if not, a couple jokes. Hey, I, I love that. Steve, you've got such great experience. Why don't you start us off by... Telling us more about what is Simo Global. You it, obviously a holding company. You've got a lot of different businesses you've acquired in the past. You've built. You've sold. You've exited brands. Why don't you tell us what you have going on right now? You know, uh, so Simo Global. You know, we started that probably back in the mid two thousands because I I kept doing individual transactions that um, I don't know. It just seemed like they weren't organized. I like to have a, a, a organized view of the world, and so. Simo Global has has been um, kind of the parent and often the you know the exclusive holder of a sub company. Sometimes we partner with other companies in the JV environment to you know to go off and and put together a particular project. But sometimes we're launching product companies. Sometimes we're launching service companies. Sometimes we're launching software companies. And occasionally you know we sell something and and you you get a win and. Uh, other cases, uh, we wind it down because we suck and and it didn't work. 
but the the whole principle is that it's it's kind of organized and that you know everything rolls up into the, kind of the parent company there. That makes a lot of sense. And I know we've had Kevin King on as a previous guest, and I know you're partners with um, Kevin King on product savants. What is that? Would you mind telling us, you know, why you two are working together? What what is it that you're bringing to the table, and and Kevin, and where's that experience come from? Yeah, it's a funny thing. So I remember being at an event somewhere in Austin, Texas, and I we were there with uh, the founders of Helium Ten, Manny Coates, and um, and some of the other Helium Ten guys. But I remember talking to Manny and going, "Manny, you have such a great tool for product research and ideation. Um, why don't you guys just pop some ideas over to my Simul Global team? You know, we have them in China and and beyond. You know, uh, now okay. Vietnam and India and so forth. And I said that the team will." You know, you you pro- provide these ideas, the team will go source them, and then you can, you know, give access to these kind of uh, bundled product ideas from great research and great things all the way into the feasible sourcing. And Manny's like, yeah, we're selling software. I'm not that into it. But Kevin's like, yeah, yeah, that's – I love the safari. I love the hunt. Let me do the ideation stuff, and who better, right? And Kevin's such a great yep. ideation guy. So – we we kind of centered on this idea. We called it KevinAndSteve.com at the time, and and kind of crafted our way to to making it into a, a business that is is both fun and rewarding. And it, you know, we we want to help sellers solve those two top two problems. What's a good idea in today's market? And it's a dynamic thing; it changes, right? Yeah. And then secondly, can I source that at a feasible and you know stable and a sustainable level? And that's that's what myself and the the team do. And every Monday we still meet. The whole team has, you know, meetings and so forth, uh, going through the ideas. And, you know, there's a lot of chaff separated from the very little wheat. It's a hard it's a hard thing, but uh, we enjoy doing it. And it's, you know, uh, largely a labor of love. That's, that's fantastic. And you have it sounds like a great network in terms of supplier relationships because of your vast experience with Simo Global. You've already got so many different contacts in those different manufacturer countries um, for different manufacturers. And so you have a wealth of knowledge there. Something that I wanted to dive into, Simon or Steve, is that as we we're in a difficult economic period right now, right? We have inflation that's been going up. Um, Amazon fees continue to go up, right? Uh, margins are getting squeezed. And then we have this pending recession on our hands where consumers are starting to pull back on some of the consumer spending. I think we're seeing that. I want to ask what you're seeing from your perspective. And then for our audience that are established brands that want to take it to the next level, what should they be doing? What strategies should they be employing over the next little while? Gosh, yeah, that that's there's a lot in there. And the, the truth is, like, we're already in a recession, right? It doesn't matter what the politicians say. Uh, it matters only what the numbers say, and the numbers are very clear, right? There, there is a slowdown, not just a slowdown, a reduction of economic output, yeah. and that doesn't mean the world's coming to an end. It just means there are some economic, reasonable laws that have to be uh, dealt with, right? It's, it's like gravity. You can't argue whether gravity uh, exists or not. It's there, and you have to deal right. with it. So um, th- what that means to us is like dealing with, you know, a reducing – kind of economy and an increasing level of inflation, this is the ultimate squeeze. Nobody wants to see it, but we're, it, it's upon us. So we're, we're, we approach this from a very disciplined mathematics perspective. Like okay. we especially 
we look at the balance sheet. It's like, what is the biggest thing on the balance sheet we need to manage? And for private label sellers, it's all about inventory, right? There's nothing bigger on your balance sheet typically um, than inventory. You know, maybe yep. you've got some cash here and there. But if you're a growing business, inventory is dominating that balance sheet. And that means that inventory, which, you know, may exist as a single line item on your financials, I don't know. But we get granular. We want to know every line item. We want to know every ASIN, every SKU, however you refer to it. And yeah. we want to know its profitability. We want to know what people are going to do when it comes crunch time, right? If demand goes down, I'm, here's a little insider secret. It's already gone down, right? Yeah. Units sold are already down. The, the cost or the pricing, in other words, the sell through may be higher, but that's, that's a misleading stat. Yeah. Even if sales are up 8% and you got inflation, units are down for sure. Correct. That's not in every category, but many categories are experiencing it. So we've got to get scrutiny to level 10 on every, uh, every line item on that inventory sheet. Yeah. I think that's words of wisdom right there because we are also seeing that from our perspective. You know, a lot of our products are more in the, you know, consumer discretionary items here. And so they're not essential for people. But we have also started to see year over year sales declines in the number of units that are being sold. Now, our you know top line revenue looks good. Well, that's because we've increased prices to make up for the increase in Amazon fees and inflation and all of that. So to your point, like, don't just look at, you know, hey, this aggregate number amount of money that's being sold or whatever, you know, uh, Washington wants to, you know, state publicly, you know, with. Oh, things are just fine. Like, look at these numbers. At the end of the day, there are fewer numbers of fewer units being sold. Uh, you know, the consumers are starting to pull back. So, Steve, what is something that you do as you work with, you know, your suppliers? Is there a way that you can reduce, you know, whether it be your COGS or reduce like your MOQs for certain products? Like, how do you navigate this delicate balance of like, I don't know how big of a pullback this is going to be. But I don't want to just I'm not going to order and say, hey, whatever we did in 2021, let's let's do that, because that's what's going to happen. Um, how, how do you do that delicate balance? Well, it is uh, it's the ultimate question, but it's it also just goes back to the most simple uh, basics. It's like, you know what? Every controllable variable you better pro push on. Right. So currency is wildly shifted year mm -hmm. over year between China and the U.S. as an example. You better take advantage of that and at least understand that. Many times, if you try to just call your supplier and go, hey, um, great news, there's been a 10% shift in currency. That means I get a 10% discount on my products now. They'll go, no, no, no. We had a cost increase of labor and a mm. cost increase of COVID. You know, there are plenty of reasons they want to they wanna fight against you. Uh, but I, I'm telling you proactively that every point, whether it is the inputs of raw materials and, and checking those commodity prices, whether it's currency, like every piece of that puzzle you need to push back on in a, uh, I, I would call it a professional way. So sure. just throwing a fit and go, your price is too high is ignorance. But having a market price, getting a price from other suppliers and understanding yeah. what the market price looks like, now you're adding some sophistication into it, a little bit of data into it. I can tell you that many of our China suppliers right now are down 50% in purchase orders. Oh, my 50%. goodness. Yeah, so this is not a sign of strength, right? So a year ago, we couldn't get product to ship out of China because there, there right. were too many POs, right? Yeah. Um, freight was also high last year. It's crashing now. 
by early 2023, it will be at 2019 levels or below. And so all of these supply demand factors you have to balance in. But the, the interesting thing I don't think a lot of people fully understand or appreciate is if you bought your inventory over the course of the last 12 months, you're priced at a higher level than your competition who's outputting it now, most likely, mm. right? Because you got a lower right. currency. You're probably a little squeeze power on the supplier, lower freight. E even just on freight alone, it could be a material impact. So yep. this is where the discipline of, you know what? I can't be emotional. I have to apply mathematics. And believe me, I'm uh, least of all do I like doing math every day. But this is an area where it makes sense, right? You got to know the score. And so that means either you need to take a write-off on that inventory and, and devalue it based on the fact that, you know what, if I bought it today, it would be cheaper yeah. so that you can be competitive in the market, or you have to do what we call the trash-to-cash operation. It's like, I got to take this much inventory off the balance sheet and move it into cash um, as quick as I can. And you see large, big companies, global companies like Target and Walmart doing this in huge mm. fire sale ways. So this is not just crazy Steve talking. This is happening across the board. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you can, you know, liquidate some of that inventory, right? And obviously, I think you're getting a hit. I think you're lowering your price, right? So you're going to squeeze your margins that much more. But you're talking like it's important to start doing that now, right? Um, what are the ways that sellers can do that? Well, there are several ways that I may get into a couple of them here. One of them is just the reality that it's Q4. So a lot of times we get into uh, preservation mode, right? Oh boy, mm -hmm. here comes the margin, here comes the volume. Let's get let's get nuts. I would say take a very practical look at it and decide it, it, what if your sell through of last year doesn't come to pass, right? What what if you yeah. don't get that many number of units? Uh, and so now I'm going to be a little bit more margin um, flexible, <laughs> if that's a Makes thing. Sense. So that might mean. Increase promotions and holding the price. It might mean lowering the price and and mixing in some promotional elements. Um, it might mean finding liquidation channels. Like it, you should really think of your inventory as kind of A B C. A is the good stuff that's going to stay around. B's on the you know on the tipping point. You're not sure if it's a if it's a runner or a not, but it's it's still not enough to cut it. And a C's or less are like you got that's got to go. And yeah. so the C's you should be moving into immediate you know, fast focus uh, on sales and take advantage of Q4 to liquidate at a quote unquote retail value. Makes because sense. By the time Q1 comes around next year, liquidation chances are now, you know, at or below cost. And you don't want that reality to set in because that's pennies on the dollar. Yeah. I think you're dropping some really good words of wisdom as we look at going into the beginning here of Q4 of 2022 and things that people should be doing right now in order to prepare. So Steve, I also want to talk to you um, more about these liquidation channels um, and different tactics that sellers can use as they're getting rid of inventory. Should they be focused on launching new products right now or should people be pulling back in general with everything and just focusing more on profitability with existing products? So again, that, that comes down to a, a contextual variable of what do you want in your business, right? And I, I don't know what people individually want, but based on what they want, this is where they engineer the tools that they have to, to break out of the, the tool chest. So if you're like, hey, listen, uh, I'm, I'm all about taking market share. I'm, I have good appetite for risk. 
uh, then this is a great time to take market share. But you should do it in a, a position of strength, uh, which means all of the, the weak stuff, you got to clear that weak stuff off of the inventory list. Again, you can use turn and earn to rank them and yank them. And what I would do, uh, or what we are doing, is we take out all of the inventory items as fast as we can at the highest recoverable value, but I will sacrifice the recovery amount for the time. And mm. I, I just can't stress that enough. Sometimes we get too emotional in going, you know, I've got to get a margin, or I've got to get this, but the truth is just getting back to zero is not a bad position to be. In other words, you you got back the money you put into it and you're you're back to where you started. That's a pretty good place to be because a lot of people, in fact, Home Depot and Target, which I referred to earlier, they're selling at fire sale prices. They are not recovering mm. their they're not making enough margin on that to even cover their overhead. So they're selling kind of at a at a cash flow loss. But they know if they keep that inventory sticking around, the carrying costs and the losses will be far worse in the future. Yeah, I think that's such a great point that you bring up. Um, getting looking at all of your SKUs at a profitability level and, and an intimate level for every single SKU, and we're starting to implement some of those practices in our own business where you kind of got to rank your products A, B, and C products, and those C products have got to go. Um, Steve, are there any particular tools that you use? Um, maybe they're software tools or whatnot in order to you know, calculate profitability at a SKU level, or is it a lot of just spreadsheets and your team members, you know, adding in various information? Because there's a lot when you're selling, you know, on different marketplaces and there's lots of different advertising costs. How are you going to attribute this advertising cost to which ASIN? Uh, can you tell us how you how you go about doing that? Well, often it's a combination, but the, the truth is, you know, many, many years ago, and I'm talking about the you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, before Shopify existed, before, you know, all the simple systems existed, we started building our own stuff. Uh, we call okay. it the system parsimony. And that, that was because we knew that we needed to track things in a comprehensive way. And so, you know, we started building these tools, you know, decades ago. And uh, only about four or five years ago, we said, you know, we should we should allow this thing to be accessible to others. So we made it kind of a cloud-hosted uh, version for, for other people, including a free for life version that people can use. Uh, and so that software that will track inventory, it will track skew by skew analysis of, you know, PL um, or collection analysis or brand analysis or company analysis, right? It's all kind of multivariate. Uh, you know, that's available to most people. And, you know, for the small guys, they can get it for free. The big guys have to pay a little bit of money. But, you know, given the millions and millions of dollars I put into, the efforts and not just me that, you know, the entire team and the entire effort, yeah. it's a, it's a valuable way to do it, but you don't have to use that. There are plenty of ways of, you know, QuickBooks and A to X and, you know, then you layer in this. What I don't like is I like to take a system and output yep. something that's, that's a nice thing to view versus a million spreadsheets that I drowned in. Uh, yeah. Those are ultimately, they're not very, it, it, you know, six months later, it's hard to remember where is that data. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's a system and you're running reports, by the way, I have some of my companies automatically every day, it just sends me inventory reports or automatically, you know, there's a trigger that will show me, oh, this SKU is happening or that SKU is happening. So by knowing literally every location in Amazon or in 3PLs or our own warehouses, every product, every day, everywhere, 
That's the power of actual information and not just data. Data sucks. Information's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that you have this tool. I'm, I'm interested, Steve. What is the name of this software tool that you have that, because uh, yeah, I think so, that's definitely something yeah, we want to do. Uh, uh, parsimony.com. So uh, the law of parsimony is kind of a, uh, the root is like Occam's razor. The most obvious answer is the most likely the right answer. And another definition that we use is doing more with less. Like our whole vision with parsimony is what if you could have world-class, you know, SAP or Oracle level, you know, NetSuite level skills and talent and, and software and, and capabilities, true systemization is top to bottom in an organization, but you didn't have to pay, you know, a hundred grand to implement it and 10 grand a month, you know, and that's, that's yeah. kind of the vision behind it. So um, I, I certainly welcome people to check it out. It's, it's not for everybody. You know, when you're using QuickBooks, it's like, you know, rowing a boat. And when you're using parsimony, it's like trying to operate an aircraft carrier. So there's a, there's a learning curve, but you know, if you're trying to go to war, you better bring the aircraft carrier, not a rowboat. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good words of wisdom there. And I would also layer on to that. If you're, if you have any intentions or plans to exit your business, you should probably be, you know, bringing that aircraft carrier to begin with so that you know your SKU level profitability so that you can maximize your ROI when it comes time to exit. I think this is not only healthy if we're going into a, you know, a recessionary period, but this is healthy just for an everyday business as you try to operate a healthy business. Steve. Yeah, I, I, I would just add to that, yeah, Josh. I'm ahead. sorry to interrupt, but like the whole point of as we head into 2023 is getting tight. Like mm -hmm. we're, we're now, you know, being kind of overwhelmed with, with customers and inquiries and implementations because people realize, you know what, when time, the tide's rising, everybody's just kind of sloppy and, hey, yep. we're going along, we're getting along, it's all fun and uh, games. And then people realize, uh-oh, what happens if sales don't increase the way we thought? Or what happens if they actually go down? That would, that would suck. Or what happens if we have a, a team that we can't manage in a systemic way? you know, as we're trying to grow. And I'll tell you, you know, everybody always asks me, what's the one thing or what's the one secret? And there's <laughs> no one thing. That's that's the truth of it. But for me, scale, I never could achieve scale until we got the, the systems right. And, mm. you know, we're talking about going from, you know, 2 million to 6 million to 18 million to 33 million to 56 million and, and far beyond, all because the systems were there and we had some level of, you know, the, the old uh, saying from Emeth is, the system runs the business. The people run the system. Yeah. So we we don't just say those words. We made it literally come true. I love that, Steve. I think that is great advice for, again, our audiences are established sellers that want to take their business to the next level. And what you're telling them is like, you've got to create some systems in your business and then let your people then run those systems. And, you know, getting detailed with your approach, SKU level profitability I think is going to become more and more essential. So I think you shared some great words of wisdom there. Steve, I also know you um, also run the Empowery and you're a part of that. Tell our audience more about what this Empowery is. You have an upcoming event. Um, what is the Empowery? Yeah, so Empowery is, I'm kind of one of the co-founders and uh, a funder of it uh, to get it started. But I'm just a volunteer there. I'm not a paid guy because it's run as a nonprofit kind of association or cooperative. And the principle is, you know, in e-commerce, there's a bunch of common problems, whether it is 
you know, sourcing or freight or copywriting or photos. Like there's there's 80 problems, yet we've got 100,000 entrepreneurs running around, you know, building their own wheels and trying to, you know, start fires for the first time. And it's like, gosh, what if we just shared, you know, existing knowledge and, and, and wisdom with the folks who, who wanted it? And we did that in a way that was was seller centric. So that's why the nonprofit way. Um, so Empowery, you know, you can check it out on Empowery.com. But it's it really is set up to just make sellers have a, a venue. I, I almost think of it like if you ever wanted a corporate office without having to pay very much, it's you know, there's a small sign up and then it's like fifty bucks a month. But yeah. now you got a corporate office. You don't know the answer, call the corporate, right? <laughs> and yeah. you don't have to pay very much uh, for that uh, privilege. And so Festivus is just our kind of annual holiday get together where we have uh, a few laughs and we bring in some some great talent and and we do a little bit of content here and there but mostly it's about let's hang out let's talk about business what are your challenges and and ha- really allow people to have deep dives and deep conversations with a, a relatively small group you know less than 100 people uh is is kind of our target for that and it's going to be in Sun Valley Idaho it's going to be amazing and uh, for those who get the chance, they get to come out and hang out with, you know, Steve, that's me, who cares? Uh, but guys like Kevin King and Travis Ziegler and, you know, Matt Parker and George Maressa and so many others that are brilliant minds. And just being able to hang out with them is really an extraordinary opportunity. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And Steve, we actually met each other at the Billion Dollar Seller Summit um, there that Kevin King put on earlier this year. And so I can't, you know, echo that enough. It all comes down to those relationships and being able to surround yourself by other people that are doing some wicked smart stuff in their own business. That's definitely where I've been able to learn the most and apply what other successful people are doing in their own business and applying it into my own. And Steve, I also think you mentioned you you guys do a few training videos or sessions as well, like every month, right? There's kind of like a huddle or powwow, so to speak, right, where you're kind of like teaching, training, and people are sharing advice with each other, right? Yeah, so this is, again, uh, just another effort to to give people the access. Uh, and so uh, if you go to EmpoweryMastermind.com, there's, we had to add some stupid registration stuff and a, a few barriers because we were getting some trolls. I don't know who takes the time <laughs> to troll uh, an entrepreneurial nonprofit, but nevertheless, uh, uh, so the mastermind's once a month, and we just kind of hang out, uh, whoever wants to be on screen and and chat with the the folks can do it, and whoever doesn't doesn't have to. But you know whether you're a lurker or a, a you know participator, we don't we don't mind. It's like bring your questions, bring your hardest problems, frankly. And there's generally yeah. a wonderful group of brilliant entrepreneurs who go, yeah, I uh, I heard that problem, and here's what I did when I had it. I hope that's helpful, right? And that's that's all you can ask for is just people giving their time and trying to help others. Yeah, I think you've. Uh... I think you've created some amazing things and I love how you're kind of giving back to the, you know, e-com industry, so to speak. And, you know, this isn't a paid thing that you're doing, you know, and it's a, it's a nonprofit. So I love what you're doing for the industry, Stephen. you have so much experience that, uh, you know, you say that, you know, people shouldn't care about you. I would argue people need to be following you more because you have a wealth of knowledge and so much experience that, uh, you know, you should be highlighted a little bit more often. <laughs> well, that's kind of it. Yeah, me, I hang out with myself constantly, so I'm bl- bloody tired of that ding-dong Steve. But uh, <laughs> there, there is a good chance that I, I, I've been down a few roads and I've had some experience that, that may be useful to folks. And, 
And that's it's light lifting for me to share experiences. And if it's beneficial for you, awesome. And if it's not, uh, we high five and we'll tell jokes. I love that. So, Steve, as we wrap up here, I'm going to ask you a few wrap up questions at the end. But before we do the wrap up questions, I love to leave the audience with three actionable takeaways from each episode. So here are the three takeaways that I noted, Steve. Let me know if you think I'm missing something here. Number one, first and foremost, people need to start implementing skew level profitability analysis on their products. Like figure out a system that is going to work for your business. Uh, it could be a bunch of spreadsheets if that's what you love. But, you know, Steve offered up a software that he's been, you guys have worked on for not only your own business and have spent, you know, millions of dollars in R&D and development and your own time develop, developing it. That's parsimony.com. People can check out that tool. I know that's one thing I will be doing after this episode. And then action item number two is turning, you know, your trash into cash. I love that phrase, turning your inventory cash trash back into cash and you know going through your SKUs and you've got to kind of lose the emotional uh, feel that you have to each of your products and you need to cut the ones that just frankly aren't making you money or the ones that you know maybe are trickling in a few buck here a few bucks here and there but at the end of the day they're sucking up so much of your time you need to be able to just cut those off and then last but not least is being smart with your cash as we look into 2023, right? Not assuming this is what I did in 2021 and in 2022. So this is what I should project for 2023. I think people, as they do their inventory forecasting, need to be a little bit more cautious so that they don't get hung out to dry sitting on large amounts of inventory on their balance sheet. That's where you started this conversation is Inventory is typically the largest thing on uh, a seller's balance sheet. So being wise with that, I think, as we head into 2023 is something that everybody should be implementing and just being a little bit more cautious instead of bullish in their forecasting. Is there anything else that you think I didn't mention that you want to leave with our audience here with actionable takeaways? No, I think you nailed it, Josh. The the, you know, if I put a kind of a, a little uh, cap on on all of those topics that you just uh, mentioned as takeaways, it's getting your financials tight and well understood. If you're not looking at your financials, you know, by the 15th of every month for the preceding time, or even better, having kind of live access to it as as the the month progresses, you're not applying financial discipline. You're not running the business as a business. You're running it as a kind of hobby, right? Getting good financial uh, chops and and understanding what's a cash flow statement, what's a balance sheet, and how does this balance sheet impact the P and L or vice versa. Understanding those components is a discipline. And frankly, I hate financials. I despise <laughs> it. It's my least favorite thing to do. But it is the scoreboard for our business. And you know, we have a saying: no score, no game. Right? You better mm. know the score if you're going to understand if you're winning or losing. And there are many opportunities. I I, I want to just kind of stress this point. I started one of my first businesses in a recession. I didn't realize it exactly. I didn't know you're not, you know, um, that wouldn't be something that most people would advise. But I say the opposite. I'm like, get good in a recession because you have to get tight. You have to get lean. No fat on the bones. This is what gives you the discipline and the kind of the hearty upbringing to be better than average, right? We, 
average yeah. is going to go away. You've got to be better than average. You've got to be uh, somebody or something as a company that stands out and can survive the, the trials and tribulations of, you know, basic economics. That's a, a really positive thing. So, you know, people can cry or moan or doom and gloom, whatever they want, but it's like, this is an opportunity to really get good at, at, at being a practitioner of, uh, you know, running a business. I think that's that's great advice in terms of, you know, let's add it as our fourth action item, right? Get good with your financials, but also don't be scared and don't be fearful, right? Because it, when you're fearful, you're in the scarcity mindset. You start to actually make worse decisions when you're in that scarcity mindset and you're fearful. But instead, just go go through things with a logical standpoint with data on your side, right? I myself, I can understand numbers, but do I love, you know, looking at numbers on a day in, day out? I, I don't enjoy Excel. Can I interpret data? Yes, I can. That I think is becoming more and more essential, like you talked about, no, ha not having any fat on the bones there. So, Steve, I have a few kind of rapid fire questions that I want to ask you as we wrap things up here today. What is one of the most influential books that you've read and why? Gosh, I'm a reader, so I read lots and lots of books. Um, I'll give you uh, two of them. One that kind of level sets the beginning. Uh, I love the E-Myth Revisited or the original E-Myth that really talks about systemic thinking and the mindset uh, within. And even though there's some, um, I'll call it some kind of hippy-dippy stuff in there that uh, doesn't resonate with me, the core of it is like I'm all about it. And, and really, yeah. we live systems as kind of a direct result of that from – 20 or 30 years ago, uh, the the most recent book that I read that was, you know, highly impactful and gives me a real sense of what's happening in the world. Um, the book is actually called The End of the World is Just Beginning uh, mm. by Peter Zeehan, which is really a very deep dive into what is globalization? Why is it happening? Do you agree with it? Disagree with it? Lots and lots of data points. And these are things that are highly impactful to my business. I, I don't study geopolitics or international trade for fun, I do it because it's a direct uh, input into my business and understanding those trends is critical to my business and, and the world is changing. And in fact, uh, I predict that in the next five years, it will change more than it has in the last 30 when it comes to global trade. So you mm. better get good at that. Interesting. Interesting. Any, uh, you've left me with a cliffhanger there, Steve. What, what kind of insights do you have? Like, what do you foresee happening over the next five years then? And what should people be doing today to kind of prepare for that shift, I think, is the most important thing. Well, I, you know, there, there's a phrase that is common these days called the China plus one. I would have redundancy for China as quick as you can. Mm. Uh, it's going to take time to build it. Uh, there's easier places to do it, uh, maybe Vietnam or, or, you know, Malaysia. It depends on the products you're selling. But the, the truth is it's never going back to the way it was in 2019 when it comes to proper supply chain and, and predictable throughput. And unpredictability is the very worst thing that you can have in your supply chain. Having yeah. a little higher cost here or there, much easier to deal with than unpredictability. And China has financial turmoil that most people have no idea about. Um, and, you know, if you guys want to do a deep dive, I did a, a China series uh, on the awesomers.com podcast, and, and you guys can dive deeper. But I, I'll just tell you, China will not operate in five years the way it does today. It will no longer mm. be the easy button. It'll be the, I hope I get it. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of credit risk sending money there ahead of time. There's factories closing constantly. There's a lot of financial turmoil. 
And this is something that's new. We, you know, in 2019, it wasn't like that and before. Yeah. And now it's going to be different. And I just, I hope that people pay attention to this and I hope they are aware of this. Awesome. Awesome insights there, Steve. Next question. What is your favorite productivity tool or resource that you've been using? Um, gosh, I, I don't like to be too productive. I like to have a lot of time <laughs> to think. So um, yeah. I don't know if this is a tool, but like I do block timing. So my Mondays are all of my kind of business unit, you know, high level meetings. Okay. Anybody who reports to me, I meet with them. Any business unit has uh, that has weekly reporting, they report. I can see all the stuff on the dashboards, but I want to talk to the human. So my Mondays yep. are my big meeting days, and that can go from anywhere from 8 to 12 hours. And then Tuesdays are my kind of – I do a half a day on Tuesday for kind of external meetings or uh, follow-ups. And then kind of Wednesday on is thinking time. And mm. I don't want to be in the grind. In fact, the best lesson I can teach entrepreneurs is stop doing it, doing it, doing it, and start managing it, managing it, managing it. And even better, hire managers to do the management. And then you just are the vision and the kind of um, – I call it the the visionary or the action taker. My team would say the chief grenade dropper, right? I come in, <laughs> I drop some grenades, and I'm like, "Good luck," and I leave. Uh, but that's you know, I, I'm the I'm the chaos maker, and my managers are the ones who have to take that chaos and turn it into order. But that when you have it right, that's a good balance because you do need the nutty entrepreneurial energy to yeah. drive an organization and build a culture and make it fun and even unpredictable. But you need the managers to make sure people don't lose their minds. And, and it's like, oh, Steve read another book. Now we got a new mission. That's not how it should be. Yeah. Uh, but I really would think about blocking your time as a productivity enhancement. Yeah, I would 100% emulate everything that you just talked about. And it's interesting hearing how you have things set up and how you're managing all the multiple business ventures that you have going on. I think we can all learn um, some great insights just from what you shared. There. Last question for you, Steve. Who is someone that you admire or respect most in the e-commerce industry and why? And and maybe who are the people that uh, other sellers should be following and, you know, keeping out on their radar? Oh, gosh, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, I, I follow a lot of people in e-commerce, but it's it's. Uh, I don't know if there's such a term as like a casual follow. Like I'm, I'm not <laughs> I don't have to go subscribe to you know, everything they do or stock them exactly. Um, you know, there, there are lots of people that I watch when they build a company. So um, there's a guy named Mark Vadon. He was the original founder of Blue Nile, and then he went on and founded uh, Chewy. And, you know, mm. he, this is a brilliant high-level thinker and that, you know, is able to take a dot-com and, you know, turn it into something really special a couple times. And, and really in, in like 2010 or, you know, around that time, he looked at the landscape and said, you know what I should do? I should start an online pet store and sell against Amazon, right? Anybody who thinks yeah. that that's a good idea is a nutcase, right? But here, you know, he's, he's brilliant and nutty. And yeah. sure enough, they did it. And they, he had, you know, skills and access. And, and within four years, they sold it for a couple billion dollars to um, one of the big pet companies. But yeah. my point is to find people who are paradigm breakers and just, you know, Pay attention to them. I, I like to go to a conference now and again uh, to see some of these folks, or I, I like to read their books. Uh, Jay Steinfeld with Blinds.com is another great mind, um, and he's got a book out. Uh, these are smart, smart people, and you know I, I learn a lot from from watching what they do. Yeah, 
completely agree. It's all about who you surround yourself with and who you're learning from and, and expanding your mindset. So, Steve, thank you so much. I know you've expanded my mind um, today. I've had a lot of different mindset shifts, and I hope our audience will um, have had those as well. But thank you for joining us again. My pleasure. Happy to happy to be here. And, you know, uh, I love entrepreneurs. I, I, it's, I don't just, like, love quesadillas, right? Uh, I really love entrepreneurs. So I hope everybody out there understands it's a, it's a real honor and a privilege to be an entrepreneur. Just go be good at it and do hard stuff. Yeah. And Steve, where should people follow you if if they want to contact you or follow what you're doing after this? Yeah, they can find me on the the YouTubes or the Facebooks or the whatever there is out there. Um, you know, the Osmers.com uh, podcast is I try to record those from time to time. We have some Q4 stuff that's that's pending. Uh, but to be honest, with my time is is uh, not always easy to uh, allocate, even though I have the thinking time. That's thinking time. <laughs> and uh, uh, so my, my best advice is I hang out on the Empowery.com uh, masterminds and, and I donate my, my free time to Empowery. So uh, find me there if you, uh, if you can. Awesome. Well, we're lucky to have had an hour with you, Steve. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.